0: good morning al
1: hey good morning
0: how are things it's, over uh, in heartland
1: it's uh cold but i'm sitting here having a nice hot cup of pg's tips tea in a cottonwood river restoration project cup so life doesn't get any better than that it's just a it's a good day and uh, went outside and took the mail down and did some things out there and got the little feed in a bird feeder and it's um it's cold but it's it's not unpleasant so there's no wind blowing me away or any nasty things other than the temperature the four below the other day was maybe a little much this early but <laughs> i i i, I probably told folks this but when I, I left alaska it was 49 degrees and when i got home here it was 10
0: Oof, So
1: 39 degree difference in that one uh, one day of traveling so it was uh, that just doesn't seem right but uh, i should get used to it. it's kind of that way every year uh, it's a, a pretty day i think you know somebody told me once I was talking to him, and we were uh, talking about the box of crayons we had when we were kids, because that's what you talk to with old classmates sometimes. (laughs) And uh, she said, you know, my favorite color is October. And I, I thought, what great thing. And November, I would have to say, probably isn't the favorite color of many. I know some people just love the brown and... Well, I look out here and it's brown and white, pretty much. And so, November probably isn't a favorite color. Many, and then we look up, and what do we see? It's cloudy. We have an average of thirty-nine percent of possible sunshine in November. November is our cloudiest month. December is the second cloudiest month, and that gives us forty-two percent of sunshine. So, thirty-nine in November, forty-two in December. There are a lot of years where it sure seems a lot less than those numbers but just think of how much money these 2 months save us on sunscreen it's just uh, that's we can I think we can all start uh, an IRA on just what we're saving on sunscreen. (laughs) I'm seeing crows now are starting to gather in flocks and that's the way they circle the wagons. And more eyes make for more effective predator detection and they can see all around. So if you've watched any of those old cowboy movies when they were under attack, the wagon trains always circle the wagons and that's kind of what crows do in the winter time. And uh, I got a nice email from somebody said you mentioned uh, Farmers Almanac. Was it Farmers Almanac or Old Farmers Almanac? Yeah, there is the farm. I mentioned both of them. There is the Farmers Almanac from Lewiston, Maine, and then there's the Old Farmers Almanac, and that's from Dublin, New Hampshire. And the two publications are useful. They're entertaining. And, you know, they make a great gift. If you're looking for a small gift where you don't want to, you know, take out a loan for somebody but you want to get them something nice, they would serve as reminder to someone that they need to get out there and enjoy nature. So they're, uh, they're fun things to read. Uh, Joel Klaus, Joel lives in, uh, I don't know where Joel lives. I think he lives in the Twin Cities. Uh, Joel, I apologize. I probably got you in the wrong place. I'm good at pe- putting people in the wrong place. When I was a kid, I could never remember where people worked for sure. I knew they worked, but I didn't know if they worked for Hormel or Wilson Foods or Queen's Stoves or Streeters. or. So I'd always get them in the wrong place. But Joel Klaus said he was at Clear Lake and Waseca. He saw buffleheads, heads, ruddy ducks, ring ducks, trumpeter swan, hooded mergansers, and three black scoters on Clear Lake. Uh, Betty Lucas is from Mason City, Iowa, and she is, wrote me about a different Clear Lake, Clear Lake, Iowa. She said, mostly frozen over, but there was a female long-tailed duck in one of the open areas of water, along with lots of mallards, golden eyes, heads, and common mergansers. A dozen or more bald eagles were sitting on the ice. It was definitely a winter birding feel to the day. Uh, Steve Braun, a a great guy, and I hear from Steve uh, regularly, and I very much appreciate it. He said he missed a show and was wondering if there's a place to go to listen to it, and there is. It's SoundCloud. I, I don't have, I, I know I have it on my website, the address, Karen, but uh, it, it's KMSU SoundCloud, I think, would take you there, I mm-hmm. hope. And um, that's why I told Steve, so I appreciate that. Uh, Chad Hines of Mankato said most of the open water is gone, though Jim Amundsen reported that Lake Crystal is still open, so I'm sure Madison Lake may be open as well. While there was open water, there were reports of several duck species, common loon, horn grebe, and bonaparte's gulls. I found a Canadian or a Canada white-fronted goose hybrid at, at Hinnaker Pond a while ago. The early snow was accompanied by red-breasted nuthatches, pine siskins, and a bald eagle movement at the Bethany Hawk Watch. They saw 358 bald eagles on Sunday. Uh, Marty Rost reported a juvenile golden eagle at Land of Memories. Robins are as thick as berries yet, though their numbers are beginning to dwindle now that the hackberries have been stripped of their fruit. White-throated sparrows are still here and there. Oregon juncos have been seen by a few. Uh, I've had a chipping sparrow, this is Chad Hines again, I've had a chipping sparrow prior to the last snow, and I even had three fox sparrows along the Judson Bottom Road yesterday. Golden crown kinglets are still being seen here and there, and I even had a ruby crown kinglet on Bethany's campus last Tuesday. A pair of Carolina wrens is being seen near the trestle at the rear of Rasmussen Woods along the boardwalk be patient as they are not often visible they were most recently seen last Wednesday Merlins, oh about the Carolina wrens again on my website I have a photo of the Carolina wrens I, I think they're just beautiful birds and they just um, they sing um, they make noise I shouldn't say noise it's a beautiful noise they're very vocal Uh, merlins are still this back to chad Hines. merlins are still being seen here and there and i have had two richardson's in the last ten days at various locations in the minnesota river valley the christmas bird count is scheduled for the twenty second of december please let me know if you plan to participate this year if anybody uh, would like to or would like more information uh, get a hold of me and i can uh... hook you up with Chad there and he can tell you what's going on. Uh, Bruce McKee of Mason City said a varied thrush under the feeders this afternoon at the Lime Creek Nature Center at the Cerro Gordo County Conservation. So, uh, yeah, they're really beautiful birds and we've had one. If I remember right, I believe TJ, Tom Jessen had one in Medelia a, a few years ago. So they're really neat birds and very often they do hang around for a long time, when they're uh, seen at this time of year, um, you know. The other day, I, uh, I mentioned many times I was in uh, another state. I was in Alaska, and the road I was driving on was tucked between mountains and in a river, and it twisted towards road construction. Yeah, there was yeah, there were pilot cars, and you had to wait for the person holding the sign, and but it twisted towards this road construction and bald eagles feeding upon spawned out chum salmon. And this natural phenomenon is responsible for five miles of open water during the freezing months. And it's called an alluvial fan reservoir. And Water there remains 10 to 20 degrees warmer than surrounding water. And the warmer water, it, it like percolates into the Chilkat River and it's near Haines, Alaska, and keeps it from freezing. In 1917, it was amazing to see all these people come to look at bald eagles, because in 1917, the Territorial Council initiated a bounty on bald eagles in Alaska, blamed for having a negative effect upon the salmon industry. And it began at $1 per pair of feet, and the bounty was later raised to $2. And by the time the bounty was discontinued in 1953, over 128,000 eagles had been shot and killed. And when Alaska achieved statehood in 1959, the bald eagle became protected under the Bald Eagle Protection Act of 1940. And as I stood there watching, there was a lone bird against the sky. And so I, I my binoculars went up, and it was a raven flying over, and then he'd fly back this way, just like he knew something was going to happen. And I believe he did, because ravens are they are incredibly smart. And all of a sudden, a bald eagle went down and plucked a merganser from the water, filled with salmon, and and I didn't see it. it was, uh, everybody else had to tell me about it, because, well, I was watching a raven, I guess. And, and people took videos of it, in this eagle had apparently grown weary of eating salmon and just decided to have a fish-eating duck instead. And it reminds me of the Lewis and Clark, uh, America's Great Epic Adventure, when they were out west, well, they were always out west, I guess, but they, uh, they oh, I'm forgetting the name of the Native American tribe, but they came there to get food, and the natives talked to them about all the salmon available and Well, what the, uh, the fellows from the Lewis and Clark expedition, they opted for dog instead. I guess they were sick of salmon too. So they had dog, they liked dog, they liked beaver tail, they loved buffalo tongue and all these things that you can get at pretty much every fast food restaurant. No, I don't think you can get any of them. It's, it's surprising these poor guys. If they're around today, I don't know where they go eat. They just can't find any of those things they like. But they didn't want salmon.
0: But this, they you know, this is. A, I was going to say this is the kind of thing that happens after Thanksgiving. After you're s- s- sick of, of turkey sandwich, turkey soup, turkey hot dish, turkey whatever. For after all the leftovers, and then you just want anything but turkey. That'll happen at the end of the week.
1: It certainly will. And I I've spent some time with some friends from Georgia. And they were talking about she wanted to get home. She had a, a favorite dressing recipe that she was going to prepare. And I said, you mean stuffing? And, uh, boy, she didn't. She meant dressing. They, I guess they don't have stuffing. So it's dressing there, she said. And I said, well, we're, we're stuffing. Well, do you know what I the difference dressing, is, to,
0: Al? Because the difference, stuffing is in the turkey and the dressing is on the side.
1: That's what I was going to say. Dressing to me is something you put on something after yeah. you get it going maybe and but she is talking about dressing and it, it's stuffing is what she's talking about there, uh-huh. so apparently they just refer to it differently. I you know I don't know i I like stuffing I like but I like the gravy on it better. <laughs> I have a friend that says stuffing is what you eat when you run out of mashed potatoes and gravy, so maybe that's I'm kinda in that camp, boy. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. We all have that one thing at Thanksgiving that we just oh man, we want to get it. I love that, and what we call Swedish rice is cooked rice with maybe uh, sugar and cinnamon on it and oh i just uh, i love
0: those things well you mentioned the rice I, thing you know what my mom used to make it was called glorified rice is that similar because glorified rice was was rice and then you mixed whipped cream with it and sugar and then maraschino cherries and pineapple and, and they mixed oh. it all up and it was cool cold Did, is that what you you've had too cuz that was no, really no
1: but it's really good i like good. that too yeah it's yeah. super good I, And anything with a maraschino cherry on it is. Oh, man. I I used to, Mom would get the maraschino cherries from Sybaroo's Cardinal Grocery Store, and she'd put them in the refrigerator, and I'd pick them off (laughs) one at a time.
0: I used to do that, that too. (laughs) Me, too.
1: Oh, man. They were so good, and then Mom says, "Well, we're going to have you know uh, some kind of tapioca or something," and we'd have maraschino cherries on them, but somehow they all disappeared. Yes. Right?
0: And, and <laughs>
1: evaporated in the refrigerator, and I, I looked, I looked around at everybody else, saying, "Well, who
0: who did, <laughs> did that?" that.
1: So I think they all knew. I get um, this uh, question every year, and I, I appreciate it. Somebody was in a, um, a large um, supermarket in the area, and they saw this basket of, uh, uh, oh, I don't know what they call it there. theres I think I saw a sign once said ugly fruit, but there actually is a fruit called the ugly fruit, mm-hmm. which is completely different. But these were hedge apples. And they're uh, they're yellow, green, grapefruit-sized fruits. And the sign said that they will repel spiders. You can put them down in your basement, and you no longer have to worry about spiders. Well... There's other names for these. I think the most common name is Osage oranges uh, involving because they were found in the area where the Osage lived, Uh, but also hedge balls, hedge apples, horse apples, green brains, monkey balls, mock oranges. They just have all these different names. And the hedge apple tree is related to the mulberry, and it has several names itself, again, which Osage orange or bodark and some other ones of the tree. But early settlers found the Osage orange useful because of its thorny branches. It was planted as a living fence that made an effective barrier for livestock. And they have stories about people crushing these these fruits so they can kind of get the seeds out of them. And then they would dig a furrow and they would just put these uh, seeds in there in a long line and cover it up and then let them grow. And that's how they got their fences. They, the wood is good wood. It's, uh, I have an ink pen that my wife gave me that's made out of uh, hedge apple wood. It's a, a great pen. But it's also used uh, to make fence posts, uh, furniture, archery bows, uh, nails, because they had wooden nails. We had a building on our farm that had wooden nails. Uh, it was made out of cottonwood, pretty much, the building, because that's what they had. And then also the uh, hedge apples were used for firewood, of course. But do they repel spiders? Uh, I have seen uh, things where it says they will not only repel spiders, they repel insects and they repel mice. Because, let's face it, we all want to get rid of mice in our basement. They just, they move in and they're like bad relatives. They never leave and they bring more kids in and more family shows up. It's like... Chevy Chase with uh, some of his relatives and uh, like Christmas vacation and some of those stories but these fruits of the hedge apples are sold in supermarkets for that purpose but Iowa State oh I love Iowa State because they're always researching stuff they got people working on everything pretty much there is down there I think Iowa State researchers extracted compounds from the hedge apples. And the good news is they were found to repel insects when concentrated. So that's good. We said, boy, this stuff does work. However, the scientists reported that the natural concentrations of compounds in hedge apples were too low to be an effective repellent. So they work, but there's not enough there Mm -hmm. for them to work. And I've tromped around fallen hedge apples and the companies of spiders and insects many (laughs) times. And they've been walking over the hedge apples, and I saw no spider go eek and uh, hightail it out of there. I think hedge apples do repel if you throw them at the spiders. Uh, That'd be the only way they're going to work. And I wish they did work. It'd be so cool if something like that worked. But... It's like most things like that; they don't work, and uh, they're not the most attractive thing to have around either. These hedge apples—they're—they're they're just, like I say, they're kind of a a yellow-green grapefruit size, kind of lumpy, and they are just. Uh, yeah not a not attractive thing to have around
0: well' do mothballs work because that's another smelly thing that I mean certainly repelling to me. It's kind of like a deer stuff you spray for deers does it really work, and some people say it does, and some people say it doesn't, so I guess it's all on who who experiences it it
1: does, <clears throat> and I sometimes think it's uh oh, we put stuff out and all of a sudden we don't see what was there, and we say, boy, that works. It might just be uh, coincidental, too, that uh, if we've had a raccoon that's been bothering them. I know somebody was telling me the other day they put out peppermint spray Mm -hmm. to get rid of raccoons. But, you know, I'm sure after Christmas, when everybody throws out their peppermint candy, if there's still raccoons out and about and going, they will love to eat that peppermint candy. I can't imagine them being repelled by peppermint uh, so a lot of those things, I, mothballs, um, I've been involved with a county fair as a superintendent for a long time, and we'd try to keep squirrels out of the buildings, and we would put so many mothballs in there that you could hardly stand being in there. So we ended up with a building with nothing but mothballs and squirrels. <laughs> uh, they didn't, uh, I, I think, it, and mothballs probably aren't all that good for uh our health reasons. Uh, we probably don't want to be breathing that stuff in all the time. And we always worry about, or at least I do, about oh, kids or pets or something maybe saying, wow, those look like a little peppermint thing and and eating it. So there's all those worries, you know, because yeah, I'm a father and a, and a grandpa, so we're worriers we're to a point. So you always, uh, I don't think they were. Now, I know there's seven, at least 17 people out there right now saying, well, they do too. Um, as you said so well, Karen, they seem to work for some folks and not for others. But I can say definitely, for my use of mothballs, they work for moths. And some will even say, well, they don't even work that well for moths. But they don't work for anything else. I, I just, um, I wish they worked on on mice. Uh, I've said it many times we live in an old farmhouse and mice are a battle every fall and winter because they just they want to be warm too. All my neighbors, they all go to Texas or Arizona or California or Florida. <laughs> the mice, they look at all them going, well, we should go somewhere warm for the winter, too. So they do. They come in the house, and uh, they just, uh, they're, and they're kind of cute. I don't, the uh, house mouse is the one that to me looks a little bit like a rat, so I'm not so excited about seeing him. But deer mice and white-footed mice with the big eyes, they are are—they're cute.
0: You know, they, they remind me of gerbils. Fox. You know how people keep gerbils as pets and hamsters? And, and some of them, uh, voles are actually kind of cute, too, in, in their own way with that really beautiful fur. But, I, I, you know, even that, I still just don't want them running around the house.
1: Yeah, and voles. The good thing about voles is if you see a rodent in the house it's unlikely to be a vole it's probably going to be a mouse. Voles yeah. don't uh, they don't want to be in the house cuz their food is all outdoors. They eat my where garden. Mouse
0: comes, yeah, they eat the garden. They do. Yeah.
1: And in our trees and everything out there where the mouse he's coming in he wants to find that uh, dropped uh, Captain Crunch that's the one little piece on the floor somewhere. And he can make a, a couple meals maybe out of that, or at least one meal. So he's finding all those little bits of drop food and things that we have no ideas there. Maybe a little bit of dog food here, a little bit of cat food or something. So they find all those things. Um, maybe a flower arrangement of some kind has a little bit of seeds in one of the heads. They'll certainly eat something like that. Where the vole, as you say, boy, he wants to be outside. He wants to eat all this vegetation that's available to him. So if you ever see a vole in the house, it is lost. Is <laughs> is saying It's like it's just it's lost it doesn't know where it is it has a faulty gps and it's just saying i want to be back outside i'm i'm not good in here uh, help me out we have heard from our good buddy john in new Home.
0: yes and it's a thanksgiving type question for you al what is a turkey's favorite dessert
1: oh man
0: he says you he thinks you might know this one
1: Oh, that's even more pressure now. Or they say, well, even you should know this one. You, that's how you get when you're the, the baby of the family, you know, you get that. <laughs> well, everybody knows that. Yes. Even you should. You know, <laughs> they just say, well, you know, you're, you're like a rock there. A turkey's favorite food. Favorite dessert.
0: Worst, oh, favorite dessert. Mm-hmm. Very specific. hmm very
1: I don't know. What would the turkeys' favorite? We used to raise turkeys. We didn't give them much for dessert. So I okay. don't know.
0: Peach gobbler.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John, that was a good one. All Johns are good ones. That's, that's why I don't get any of them. I still, you know, I get a couple right each year, and that's what keeps me going is things like that because it gives you hope, and that's, as we enter this time of year, you know, and I'm thankful for everybody and everything, it's, it's nice to have hope. And before I forget, I do want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bob Perks, who's a writer, his uh, kind of um, the tagline that he's noted for is, I wish you enough. And I think that's just a great thing where we all have, we all have enough. And if you're not getting enough, you should come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always a Heimlich maneuver, and gravy's considered a beverage. And now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I. Uh, I was in a large home improvement store. I was like that vole being in the house. I was wandering around. I wasn't meandering. I think I was wandering like Moses. It's a huge store. I can't even describe. I can't see one end of it. I just wandered around. And I was in search of something I needed. But I'd been there so long, I'd forgotten what I was looking for. And I saw a couple of house sparrows were shopping there, too. So I thought, I will follow them. That's probably a sign right there I should follow those sparrows. And they flew down a long aisle, and then they took a right turn into the bird feeding department. Then I remembered, but that wasn't where I needed to be. I thanked them for the suggestion, wished them well. They chirped happily, as they tend to do this time of year, and all times, I guess. Life isn't all rainbows and pony rides. <clears throat> Stores in life can be difficult to navigate. I was, I was taking a hot shower the other day, singing silently for the good of all mankind, and the temperature was just right. Just think about your perfect shower. Boy, I find a temperature I like, and I stick with it. And maybe too long. Maybe when I get the right temperature, I don't want to come out of that shower. It just feels so good. Our shower is downstairs. Meanwhile, my wife used the hot water upstairs. Uh, You don't do that in an old farmhouse. Ice cubes came from the showerhead. My singing stopped being silent. I may have yodeled. My wife claimed it was an accident. I'm thankful for any surprise that doesn't necessitate a clinic visit. So I hope you all have the very best of surprises this Thanksgiving. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for for listening to me. I appreciate that very much. Uh, Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, as always, I've enjoyed your company. I have to ask, how many years have you been on KMSU?
0: I started here in 2005. I believe it was January 6, 2005.
1: That's... Um, how, that's how many years get, is that? has been a while.
0: Yeah, wait. Uh,
1: 13 or so, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, you know, and I started at MSU here in 1998, so that means I've been at MSU working here about 20 years, and of, of those, uh, I've been here at KMSU since 2005. So, um yeah, this has been kind of my home. The university, it's a great place to work and a great place to be with some great great people and of course we got Gully and all the the crew here at KMSU which are amazing people and all our volunteers like you. You're you how long have you been on KMSU I should ask?
1: I think 47 years although it it might be longer. I have no idea. I
0: think it's at least 30-something because it hasn't it, been. Did you start back when, because Barb Lampson has been here over 30 years, I'm sure. We don't know exactly, but, uh, and Herb Kroon, too. But have you been on as long as them?
1: I have no uh no knowledge i i feel like i'm in the witness box you know i have no <laughs> recollection of that date and that guy say are you telling me you don't remember this you know and uh poor msu they're going to be they have one of my family is a uh, a student there and now next year they'll be getting a
0: second one wait so. what so what is who, who's here already as a student uh, bailey and why is and that I, well, a she or he
1: that is a he.
0: Why yeah, is he not? Problem. Why is he not um, working at KMSU?
1: I, you know, I have no idea. I think he's off saving the world in oh. some way. That, at least that's what we hope. You know, he's a, he's a great young man. And then next year, I've got a granddaughter, Joey, will be going there. She's going to play basketball for MSU.
0: So. Wonderful. Well, we think, Al, I'm very thankful for you and, and Gail and all that you've done for KMSU and just being a great guy. Thank you so much, and happy Thanksgiving.
1: Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours.
0: All right. Bye-bye, Al.
1: Bye-bye.